Hi, welcome to your pending nuptials podcast. We are something old, new, borrowed, and true. A little fun take on something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. We'll get into all of those items later. Save the date with us each week with your honest and candid approach to all things weddings. We will be covering so many different things. The joy when we get engaged, the experience of it's so exciting, and then what? And then what? And then what? We have tears of joy. We might have some tears from mom and dad because heck fire, do we know what a wedding costs until we're planning a wedding? Probably not. We're gonna cover things like what does underwear look like underneath a wedding gown and can you see it and when should you get married in the summer month the winter month and how does your man sweat because let me tell you if he puts on a gray suit it's going to show marks in the summertime we are going to go from start to finish and with everything in between my name is kelly and i'm here with my two co-hosts carrie and amanda and we are something old new borrowed and true kicking off we are going to start with, so the engagement has happened. We hope it was a good engagement. And if it wasn't such a good engagement, we'll get to that later also. What do I mean by that? I don't know. Was it like lame? Was it exciting? Did it get awkwardly recorded? Was it, oh, I don't know. He felt like he had to do it. I hope he didn't. And also, I hope you love your ring because that is beautiful and on your hand. But if you don't love your ring, you can address that much later on as well. Let's get to the crux of you are now engaged. And then what? First and foremost, people are looking at trying to set a date. With that, it involves many, many things. It involves how many people are coming. So you kind of branch into the guest list has started. This is a can of corn, everybody. So how do we do that? Do you tell the in-laws to be how many people they get to invite? Do you look at the Christmas card planning list and see how many people were on that? Do you peel off your work friend list and should those people be invited at all? Where will you see them in five years? That's a good question. And even if you didn't care and you want to see them this year and not in five years, invite them anyway. So many things go into setting this date. We look at time of year. We look at length of engagement. We look at the funds required in which we look at weather. Girls, how long do you think is a sufficient engagement? I think it could be anywhere from three months. Well, I we had a 14-month engagement, which felt long, but I guess it was the time needed to do everything, although all of our stuff was done pretty quickly. But I think it's really just a matter of making sure you have enough time to feel like you're planning accordingly and you don't feel rushed and stressed and everything works in terms of, you know, the budget and getting all the most important people there for the date that you want. Otherwise, I would say it could be two years. It could be two days. All right. And okay. So just scenario, you've gotten engaged and you know, your brother is thinking about popping the, the question or your you would never think that it would matter to you, but you have a cousin and the cousin is on your heels and suddenly maybe you haven't set a date. Maybe you're engaged and you don't know how long this is going to take you because my goodness, we all have jobs and the places that we need to call or email and inquire about are open during business hours, which are also your work hours. And so we spend that time trying to connect and find venues. And so it's been three weeks since you got engaged and now your cousin gets engaged. Is there panic? 
Do we need to nab that date up first? Do you care when your cousin, your first cousin, your mother's favorite sister's child is getting married? What happens? Do we race to get that date? I think it depends on the families, you know? If it's close, hopefully you could have a conversation. Well, all right. So what if you find your church and your venue, if you're getting married in the church, and your venue, and they're only available in sync up within a 30-day period before or after somebody that you care about? Best friend? I don't know. I think for me personally, and I didn't have a wedding planner, so, you know, my mom and I did most of it, but... Like, Kelly, you and I have been friends for 30 years, and we got married, what, like a year and a half apart from one another? Forgive me, because Uh, now I can't remember if you were married first or if I was married first. Oh, no, no, you were married first. I was, okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was, I think I was like almost a year after. But I, I liked that. I liked having someone that was a peer that you could talk to thing, talk about dresses and events and things, you know, and kind of share that experience with. So I know, but you also didn't suck. Well, hopefully (laughs) some people aren't great to be talking things through with because if they're competitive in that nature. Yeah. Well, you're, you were in a different state, so it didn't feel like I couldn't do it. I wouldn't have been worked up about oh, what is she doing for her wedding? I wonder if she's having a sparkler send-off. Or I wonder if she is releasing doves and butterflies. Oh my gosh, I found out she's releasing butterflies. I better release. I think that's the main thing is that, you know, everybody else is doing their own thing and that's their own thing. And sure, you can be envious of it and you can wish you had a budget of a million dollars to do everything in the world. But at the end of the day, it's your special day with your soon-to-be spouse, and I guess your closest friends and family, in theory. You know, that's the idea behind coming together and having this celebration. So, All right. So we're going to set the date. We have found a venue, (laughs) and we know what our general guest list count head number is. So, Amanda, if I want to have every single person all in one room for dinner, and you can only sit down how many people in that ballroom with a dance floor included how many people in one ballroom if i want one big room everybody eating and dancing together how many people can i fit in it um well i think like 300 is a number that you would bump up against and then you have to just think about the experience of trying to connect with 300 some people but if that's your family and that's where you're at um, then you, I think it would be hard to connect with 300 people. Do you think that when people are trying to set their date, that everybody is thinking about how much it costs per person that's coming when they're trying to set that guest list? Or do you think people are just picking people that they like and that are in their families and they don't think to look at what it costs on food and beverage Oh, I definitely think it's emotional first. Everything is emotion driven at the beginning. And then you are faced with the reality that people got save the dates and the price to 80, 20 RSVP, meaning 80 will come, 80% will come. I think that starts to then become a reality. So if you send out a bunch of emotionally charged save the dates, which is so fun, um, then I think you could get stuck in arrears if you haven't thought through what that whole guest list will look like and what they'll financially 
be the ramifications to all your choices. So I definitely think that you should take a minute um, once you've found all of those details that fit and the date looks good to then think about who you send the save the date to. Um, maybe there's other tools that you can use, like thank goodness for social media in that way with the joy and the Insta and the Facebook and all the things you can share your good news, but then not everybody gets a save the date. Um, because if you send them all out without really thinking about the total number that will RSVP and attend, um, you could have put the cart before the horse or the horse before the carriage and the cost is not going to happen uh, where you need to be. Well, then there's that. So let's just say we're going to send that save the date. So we have the date. And now we're going to save it. There's That's a question. Many people, if they are worried about their headcount, would say, mm, maybe I won't send a save the date because I hope people go right get invited to something else and maybe then they won't come and my guest count invited to ratio attending might be lower um some is people... it typically based on your experience is it typically 80 20 i mean everything's 80 20 but is that about accurate i i think it i think that's fairly accurate you know if, if you looked at research and hard data and again if you did the research and Googled it, those numbers are only as good as the surveys taken and information given. But I think it, I think it varies on, again, the wedding date. I think if you look at graduation weekends or, you know, I mean, if, if there's conflict, there's probably always going to be conflict. I mean, June is going to be really, really busy with June and then September, October are huge months for not just weddings, but other events. And then you have the amount of people that would try to split and go to more than one thing also. But I think that's it. I feel like 80-20 is a good mental base point and it gives you just a barometer. I think, of course, this is we've had, you know, in our past look back of five years, we've had pandemics, we've had costs of living, you know, all those things. And so who knows how those numbers are going to trend moving forward. But just mentally, if you use that as a barometer for your success point, I think you'll have a good idea of where to start. And then also distance to travel, you know, out of town, in town. But Kelly, as you were talking through, you know, June's a busy month. And gosh, I can remember one October when uh, a sports team was super successful in baseball. And then all of a sudden, this town not known for baseball was overwhelmed with the and people were rearranging their ballrooms to include TVs to watch the World Series in a town that knew nothing about baseball. And soon the groom had to have you know, a TV in every corner. So I think you never know what you're going to plan. The good news is that there's something for everyone in every season and no month is considered not a wedding month anymore. And so I think you pick the month that you can always do something that means something to you. You could, you know, the, the race to the altar is another game, but I don't think you should let that determine your, uh, you know, your, your choice necessarily with a cousin or a sibling or a whatnot. I think the date should be something there where you want to celebrate every year, every time March rolls around. If that feels like it's right for you and you know your significant other, then and that's when you want to be celebrating. If you want to celebrate every December, an anniversary or something in the new year, you know I think uh, pick something that is worth celebrating. Uh, and that is for a lifetime as well. So pretty, pretty flowers, pretty, pretty pictures, but also a forever celebration because it is your anniversary and yours alone. Because once the save the dates are done, 
and the wedding is over, it's yours to carry with you uh, for your lifetime. So. All right. Well, then you raise a good, good question. Okay. To that point, date. So do you avoid people's birthdays, your own or your fiance's? Do you avoid New Year's Eve's? An anniversary right before Valentine's Day? Are you kidding me? An anniversary right after Valentine's Day? Are you kidding me? Valentine's Day? Are you kidding me? Let's just face it. Some people love Valentine's Day. Do most people not like Valentine's Day? I'm not really sure. Do you eye roll? Oh my God. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Anniversary, birthday. I mean, do you factor that into, oh, I really love my birthday. I want it to be like on three ring circus. I am a princess and I should have a carnival (laughs) every year until I'm 84. And so I want my wedding anniversary to be six months away from it. I don't know. Yeah. I think it depends on the couple. And I think, yeah, yeah, I think it depends on, but I don't think there's a wrong answer on the board. And so I think if it is your desire to have a New Year's Eve flash, then go for it. Even if it's on, you know, that's so interesting. If you pick a specific day, it floats. So do you want the like one, two, two, you know, something that's numbered and serialed and a certain, right? When was that number that came up? It was like, you know, it was like the, January something, you know, one, two, three. Oh, two, 22, 22 or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, like 10, 10, 20 was a huge one. It was a pandemic bust. Big, right. fat, juicy, fart in the face of weddings. Reschedule, <laughs> reschedule, 10, 10, 20, gone. Yep. But no, see, so there's tons of things that just tick people's boxes. And if it speaks to you and it, it's... New Year's Eve, go for it. If it's a Monday, New Year's Eve, and you guys aren't going to wait until it rolls around to a Sunday night or Saturday night, go for it. Um, All right. And plus different cultures and nationalities, like different numbers have, you know, importance, good luck and bad luck. So you might be marrying into a family that has a whole pre uh, set, you know, theory on their numbers and what could work. So already some are eliminated for you. I think it, yeah, I think it just varies. Okay, but when we get back down to the hard part of how many people you are allowing invited, so take away how many people you think are attending. So invited, what do you think is fair? Do you think it's fair if you are the host family, you and your the bride's family, and you are paying for the, you know, most traditionally the bride's family is financing this endeavor. What do you think is a fair and equi- equitable way to offer in the quote unquote number of people invited from the groom's side to include his peers and friends and his family and friends. And this is factoring into, yes, everything can change because you could have married parents on all fronts, but you could also have divorced parents with two sets of lists. If you are financially funding this, do you feel it is a situation where this equal number of guests should be invited on both sides? I think this is where, you know, the old, new, borrowed and true comes in because I think we're in a really interesting time um, where there, you know, you can look reflectively, but man, I don't really even know how people are approaching this in terms of um, doing this to these day and ages. And gosh, I don't know if I normally even delve into those questions and know how much either side was allotted to support. Um, Man, I think you would say on paper equitable would be half for one side, half for the other, and maybe pull out a portion for the couple to 
make their own make their own list their joint you know the couple gets to ask some people that wouldn't resonate with the older generations or just coworkers that they have colleagues that they have friends they have so a small niche of those two joint together but that wouldn't look like a third that would look like a more a more petite portion but gosh i don't even know if there's there's math to that i think if any of our listeners are really stuck in that place um they could reach out to us with if that's if they can't move forward because they're stuck on who gets save the dates from one side or from the other or the math of all that, um, we'd love to maybe speak to a specific issue. So if you can't send a save the date because you can't figure out who gets them, girl, guy, love bug, we hear you because um, we're talking about it and we don't even have a math number for you to use to help your people get the postage on there. So um, Good I don't point. know. Let us know the thing that some people will be like, but wait, you cannot send a save the date to anyone that you are not 1000% sure you're invited to the wedding. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. This is, this is step one. And this could be, we could be stuck with cute font, perfect paper, a glorious photo, all the stamps, everything ready. And you can't send them because you can't agree. I mean, this is, this is a whole this is a whole podcast right here. Well, <laughs> that's just, and so then that's the next awkward question. If, I mean, some people happen to live in the same town and the in-laws have met each other more than just two or three times. But, you know, sometimes people aren't together that have been dating for five and six years. And so that if you don't know the, the other family's family well, and they are not versed in and I'm going back to kind of an old school etiquette you know thought process of the bride's family hosting and therefore oftentimes back in the day if you were hosting a shower for a bride I would say okay Amanda I would like to host a shower for you and I can um, accommodate 25 women at the shower so then you would give me your list for said shower and I would send it out and we would have this lovely do for you in this wedding. So the idea would be that you can say to the groom or the other person that is getting married, okay, I'm thinking, you know, we can handle 125 people at this wedding, you know, things factor in, like you said, if, if the, you know, if one of the two parties is one of six siblings and, you know, then that's already you're looking at siblings and then you've got to get into, is this in, everybody invited? I mean, is everybody invited? Aunts, uncles, cousins, or is it just aunts and uncles? Or is it just children? And that may not line up the same way for both families, because if I am very close to my aunts and uncles, but my, you know, fiance is not, yay, then that, so there's just a little more that goes into it. And I think that grooms particularly, and also uh, dads kind of don't think that through and that is either you know an eye roll or eh, what huh I just want to think about the number and and therefore you just have to know that there's really not a lot with this process that is simple other than simple the love of two people <laughs> that want to spend the rest of their lives together but this process is not simple it is joyful I would say that things that we could focus on everyone trying to minimize is girls rolling their eyes, mothers 
throwing up their hands and sighing and dads rolling their eyes and growling because (laughs) everybody is thinking about something. But at the end of the day, when anybody is planning an event, and I don't care if it's just a small, you know, dinner party at your house, you want every single person that you've invited into your home or to your event, large or small, you want them to have a nice time to have good company while there, to hopefully be nourished in a lovely way. And perhaps we can get our groove on in the best and most fantastic ways of dancing. So I would say moving into our next, we'll go back. It's going to be like a TV episode where you see something that's like four weeks earlier. We can go back to really cool engagements four weeks earlier, talk about what might've been a good engagement or a not so good engagement or a disaster proposal, or we don't even know, but we'll do that. We can back it up a little bit later, but I think we're looking forward to looking at perhaps weighing into some budgetary issues next time. That is a loaded bear of a juicy nugget because what you see out there in national statistics, if every parent Googles, what does an average wedding cost in the United States of America in this year, I believe that the statistics are grossly under published and surveyed and responded to. And so I think that that is enough for now. It's setting a date, looking at a venue, picking a number of people, and then saving that date and who else do you need to lock up right away well i'll tell you who your music most of the time it's a band or a dj and your photographer those are the two most important things next to make sure i believe that you get in that same good date because if you don't love what you're dancing to you won't love your wedding day ladies i agree (laughs) so Do we want to end with a good turn on a classic phrase? Because just like the name of our podcast, I'm going to throw out to you ladies, the good, the bad, and I'll go with the snuggly or the slightly uncomfortable. And I'm talking about underwear on your wedding day. And this could be for both. This could be for anybody. Do you wear something new? Do you some wear something designer? Do you wear something that's been blue? Do you wear your old tried and true, like your favorites that don't ride, they don't whatever? Are you going without? Or what are you doing? Are you getting sewn in and you must wear the diaper because there's like a whole this is a whole sitcom that people used to do this or it's like rumored that it was a thing and you had to wear the adult diaper because you couldn't get out for a moment. Anyway, Carrie, don't think that I didn't hear you sneak in that you could just cut kids from your guest list because I did. So I'm starting with you. What do you wear? (laughs) Whoa, yes, Kelly, you went right rolling past it, but she's like, oh, you could just cut kids from the guest list. See, this is the save the date process will immediately engage you with your new family to be in the most detailed way that you never thought coming. You thought you might be talking, are we serving barbecue or is that going to flare up someone's IBS? Oh, no, no, no. We are right here talking about who gets to come and it's fast and in your face and we're here for you. But Carrie? Underwear. Underwear. Do it. First. What, what underwear I would wear? Yeah. I, I, well, I... I did have new fancy underwear. I did wear underwear. I was not sewn into anything. And I think the night 
warrants something new and something special. And it could be blue, but I think I think something new. I think, you know, this is a celebration. When that dress comes off, there should be some fun and excitement happening. And nobody wants to see the same old, same old. So not your lucky old holy molies. You've got no. something fierce and fabulous. Kelly? I mean, the lucky old holy molies, if there is significant suspicion, superstition, about that you have a lucky pair of skivs i think you have to wear them but yes a lot of times that is a way that the bride can incorporate in her blue or something blue for a wedding most often people do get something cute and pretty but if you are in a slinky little number you can't i mean there's never been a worse time in the history of man to see a panty line of any sort walking down an aisle and so i'm Frankly, Amanda, that last little one we had, I think she wore something called skims and you couldn't see anything yet. She was protected in case she had a very good laughter, wonderful joke. And she had a little trickle fest and you can't have a trickle fest either. Also, what if it was just the worst time of the month and you actually ended up getting your time of the month on your wedding day? I think you have to have some protective and then oh, that's a different podcast. I'm going to save that for the next one. I'm going to save that for another Something that's maybe a something ugly, Kelly, but we all have it, or it happens to the best of us. But I have had the bride lose them, rip them off commando because it just was becoming problematic. And so I would say more brides have gone commando than grooms. But don't let's not negate a bad wrinkle in a bad boxer in a tighter fit suit. I've seen a the boxer meets the tight, skinny pant modern day Mumford and Sons with a you know, a strap uh gosh a suspender strap and i've been like hmm there's there's too much Straighten going on out in that. there yeah <laughs> yep so the skinny pant and it's got to be the linen bottoms for gentlemen and the the beachy the okay and then the last thing i will say is and i really hope everybody's having consummation of the best kind at the end but bottom line is i'm telling you i would bet and i don't know but if i could survey all the brides and grooms on how many people got busy on their wedding night after one that I have been the planner of, I'm, I'm waging, uh, uh, there could be even an over under. I'm not so sure all that many got themselves back to anywhere and did anything romantic. And I'm sorry. Why do you say that? Why would I say that? Yeah. Based, I mean, based on just what you like, I'm honestly, I'm curious why. Consumption or then they decided Uh, to go out after the wedding and even further. I don't know. You guys tell me. I feel like this is another podcast, girls. If we're going to keep this thing rolling and if we're going to help people get stamps on their save the dates, <laughs> this is this is number one. We need to send them off. But we want everyone to know that we are here with you. We're closing it in love. We're hoping that you feel the love. We're hoping that you celebrate this time and that you get something on the calendar and that you realize that an engagement is a time of your life that is encapsulated and it it has its hardships we're here for it we hope you laugh we hope you smile we hope you have a devil's magic spank or moment or whatnot um but we'll catch you on the next time and more to come with kelly and carrie and myself take care bye guys